You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 108. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. My guest on this episode is Dr. Karen Mancera Cuevas. She will share her journey into public health and some great career advice for students as well as graduates. She is passionate about topics at the intersection of chronic disease and health equity and talks about that during the interview. Let me tell you about her background and then I'll connect the interview so that you can hear more about her journey. Dr. Karen Mancera Cuevas currently works at Northwestern University Fenberg School of Medicine, Division of Rheumatology. She is the Associate Director of Research Projects for the Lupus Research Group. Her professional background includes primarily working in academic centers emphasizing clinical, public health, and community-based participatory research at the University of Illinois at Chicago and Northwestern University. Programs developed under her leadership address chronic disease health disparities in communities of color, specifically targeting women and children at the community level. She has master's level degrees or two in public health administration and health policy from DePaul University and also from University of Illinois at Chicago. Additionally, she recently completed her Dr. Ph. defense on Georgians organized against lupus which is a study to explore further health disparities, depression, and work productivity associations. Dr. Mencera Cuevas is also governing counselor and program committee member for the public health education and health promotion sections of the American Public Health Association. Her professional goal is to continue expanding her work in public health research by addressing unmet needs of communities impacted by social determinants of health. Now, before I connect the interview, I would like to mention that this episode is brought to you by Public Health Solutions Executive Search Firm, or PHS, under the leadership of President and CEO, Dr. Donna Elliston, whose motto is, doing business effectively, let us be the answer to your public health needs. PHS services include public health recruiting for mid to senior level executives, and public health coaching for public health applicants in need of strategies and guidance. So visit PHS today, and that's at phssearchfirm.com. All right, let's connect that interview with Dr. Mancera Cuevas. All right. Well, today I'm very excited to have my guest, Dr. Karen Mancera Cuevas. So Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I, I did provide your bio. I read your bio in the introduction. So the audience has some idea of the amazing work that you've done. But in your own words, just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, your background, maybe some of what you've done before, what you're doing now, what you're looking to do. So I've done actually a variety of things over the course of my career. When I, um, you know, first started as a health educator, I was working in a community-based agency, um, doing community health education, a mixture of um, education in the largest, you know, county hospital in Chicago, 
um, with Spanish language individuals, and I worked with the Chicago Public School System as a health educator. And then from there, I moved on to uh, the University of Illinois, Chicago, where I worked with um, individuals, uh, women primarily, but we did a lot of work in breast cancer, breast cancer research, um, engaged a lot of individuals um, regarding BRCA1, BRCA2, um, which are um, genetic factors which predispose women, um, if they do have the hereditary gene, to have breast cancer. Um, wrote several grants um, and engaged primarily also with Hispanic communities, but also um, communities of color. Um, later in my career, I moved uh, to Northwestern University, where I headed up large cardiovascular projects. Um, and those cardiovascular projects, one was multi-center, um, multi-ethnic. Um, so we had a multi-ethnic population, but it was the first experience that I had with Chinese participants, um, both Mandarin and Cantonese descent. And that was looking primarily at atherosclerosis endpoints. Then from there, I moved on to um, a position that through the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute specifically looked at a cohort of 4,000 for um, individuals of Hispanic descent looking at cardiovascular markers since there had never been a study done previously on Hispanic Latinos and was the first of its kind. And that was rewarding as well because we had a variety of individuals of Hispanic nationalities, um, but there was a, a significant amount of work to engage and to entrust individuals, particularly those who are undocumented, to partake in a research study. And from there, I moved on to a position within Northwestern University that looks primarily at lupus research. Um, in addition to that, there, we also do rheumatologic studies with arthritis, um, osteoarthritis. Much of our funding currently is through the Office of Minority Health, where we have done projects for more than five years. And the projects actually involve working, uh, the first phase was working with Hispanic Latinos, to engage them as um, lupus awareness educators and to develop a, a curriculum. So I developed the curriculum by hand, which is the foundational training of health education is really how to develop a curriculum. From there, we continue to get, have funding through the Office of Minority Health to develop a project in conjunction with partnership with Harvard. And um, we developed an African-American curriculum also engaging community leaders, although this time the approach was somewhat different because the black communities in both cities um, identified very differently, um, primarily because one community, particularly in Boston, is identifying more as Caribbean and African descent versus in Chicago, individuals are, are identifying more as African-American um, because of their part of communities that were part of the great migration from the South to the Midwest. And then now we currently have a large project that's looking through the Office of Minority Health to engage individuals um, who are African-American as well as their caregivers in terms of having conversations about clinical trial involvement. 
So we know historically that individuals and communities of color are those that are least engaged in clinical trials. And the conversation as part of the funding is to engage communities of color. And in our grants, specifically, we're targeting African-Americans to have conversations as to why they may want to participate, why they may not want to participate, what are barriers, what are sources of support, um, and what is uh, historical racism. We talk a bit about Tuskegee, we talk about Henrietta Lacks, and we talk about the hurt, pain, but also the impact um, of these atrocities in terms of how do we kind of move forward at this point in terms of having a conversation so that we can properly engage African-Americans into clinical trials in the present time. So that is a general overview of what I do as part of my position too. I do a degree of health policy. So a lot of our funding is federal. We like to engage our local legislators, inform them about what are the benefits, barriers, and issues that individuals with lupus have, um, and how the grants themselves benefit the community. Um, also, there's a facet of my position also that is overseeing very vast, large-scale clinical trials. Um, some of them involve stem cell research. Some of them involve uh, fatigue and physical activity. Um, others are looking at genetic markers. So um, the full gamut of what you will see within a healthcare position. So um, that's pretty much the professional tra trajectory. In terms of my educational background, my educational background, I have four degrees. And uh, the first degree is from University of Maryland. Um, I graduated with a degree in community health education. Um, then I went to DePaul University, um, where I studied uh, public service administration with a healthcare concentration. Um, years later, I went back to school and I did my master's of public health and health policy and administration. And I just completed my degree at Walden University, a doctorate in public health. And as part of that, I did a dissertation that looked at the Georgians organized against lupus, and they are a cohort that um, is funded by the CDC, and it looks significantly at um, social determinants of health barriers within individuals who have been identified um, through an epidemiologic design study, um, and specifically the markers that I looked at were uh, depression, lupus severity, damage, and depression, um, which are very important variables to look at specifically with individuals with chronic disease. Absolutely. Very important work. I am. Um, wow. I applaud you for the diversity. I mean, you, um, I know that in your profile on LinkedIn, one of um, the things that's highlighted is health equity leader. Um, so you've definitely, in Change Asia, I mean, you've definitely been involved in a diverse group, uh, worked in very diverse populations. Um, I have a question. I'm wondering, when did you first become interested in public health as a career? Do you remember like your maybe early attraction to public health? So like, I was a senior in high school. Um, 
I was interested in, you know, like community health education uh, during my high school, like years. I'd interned at an adolescent pregnancy program, so um, would meet with the teen parents, with the moms, the dads, sometimes with their, you know, parents, um, and would go out with the community health educators, do home visits, observe. And I really like the trajectory of community health education being that you could educate in a variety of topics. So you could do, you know, like baby, you know, like well-being and care, like in terms of promoting the fact of immunizations and nutrition and well-being to, you know, like working also with individuals who had maybe more chronic issues because sometimes we had young girls um, that had diabetes and were not managing it very well, particularly during the pregnancy. So it was really for me a caveat and an opportunity to expand more. So I had already intended to do community health. I went to college and went right through with and stuck to my plan. Um, in between summers of like my college years, I did work with other health educators in the community. One such instance is I worked with a health educator who uh, worked in a very specific area in Chicago um, with, you know, high risk youth. And we would go to the homes of these youth. Um, many of them were young males who had dropped out of college needed to have a bit of information about HIV AIDS risk, SDI risk. Um, so we talked a little bit about that with them, but also we would meet with families. We would go to community centers um, and do presentations in the evenings. So really before the era of technology, where there was nothing that was web-based, you had to really go in person and give the presentations and talk to people um, more than just beyond the concept of the pamphlet, because in the late 90s, it was either having a flyer, having a pamphlet, or having a poster, and that was pretty much it. So you really had to convey to the audience what were, you know, like skill sets that they could uh, build upon in order to have a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, you're right. It was definitely... Uh, much more face to face. We we're in, yeah. you know, uh, that personal touch, which, which is really good. I, I like that we have all of these, you know, technological advances and there are ways to reach people using, you know, the online survey and social media and so forth. But, um, nothing beats that face to face interaction, though. There, there, um, there are definitely some benefits, big benefits for that. Yeah. So how did your previous roles help you prepare for transition into the work that you're doing now? Because clearly you were, you know, interested in this is almost like your life's work, you know, this whole this area of public health. But how how would you say you your previous roles really helped you prepare for the transitioning to the work that you're doing now? I think that the previous roles really are more like building blocks within a professional career. So like when I started as a community health educator, that was really the foundation of my career. And, you know, like I could apply what I learned in undergrad and just work right away. So I didn't go straight to graduate school. I actually did undergrad. I worked. I, then I did another master's. I worked a couple more years. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I, so it always was reinforcing that versus just doing the academic trajectory because the problem is, is if you're studying the theory and you don't do the practice, it's um, quite challenging. Also, I had a good degree of mentors in my career who were willing to, you know, like provide guidance and feedback. And, you know, sometimes with mentors, it's a little bit of a mixed bag because sometimes they may have their own agenda and their own intentions to kind of steer a career in a certain direction. But other times they might have, you know, like words of wisdom where it's, you know, telling you, you know, like if you do X, Y, Z, maybe that might be the formulary of where you should be going to. But also other things, too, that I've done in my career, like when I, um, so I'm in public health education, health promotion, and APHA in the governing council role. I didn't have someone who told me, hey, maybe you should be governing counselor. All I saw was an, an opportunity. There's a couple of vacant positions. Maybe I should run for it. Maybe I'll meet other people in my field. They may not do exactly what I do, but it might be a good conversation to have because then I can meet other health educators who also are passionate about the same career that I'm in and really be able to leverage a conversation where maybe we can use common talents or abilities, you know, to make something better or think about a health education topic in a different perspective. So it's really been like a mixed bag in between, like really going through experiences, talking to mentors, sometimes taking professional risks that throughout, you know, like these, career patterns that I've had in these transitions has really gotten me to where I am today. That's really good. I, um, I like, especially like what you say about, you know, just being able to put some of that theory into practice and mm-hmm. being able to have the opportunity to work and, you know, kind of reinforce what you've learned and it helps to guide your, your next steps. You know, once mm-hmm. you have a chance to get a little bit of experience, apply what you've learned, then you, you understand a little bit on a deeper level, you have a clarity about what you want to do next. Um, and then um, it makes sometimes makes for mo- a more impactful next step. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's particularly a challenge, those of us who do belong, to, you know, like to diverse communities, because there's not a lot of mentors. So that would be the other thing too, that I would like to convey is, is that, the mentors that I have, there's very few that are of my community that are Hispanic Latino. I mean, I've had a lot of my mentors actually are Caucasian, you know, who thought that there was, you know, a serious need of the lack of representation from the community where I'm coming from, that, you know, they really thought that it was important to invest in someone, especially a high quality professional. So I think that that's something, too, that it's really important for the audience to know that sometimes, yes, you may find individuals who do belong to your racial and ethnic group, but oftentimes it's not, it shouldn't really be an exclusive exclusivity in terms of the mentorship relationship, because it may be someone who doesn't belong to your community may have also a lot of good things to contribute in terms of your professional formation that you otherwise may not have known. That's a good point. And also, like you said, sometimes they have, uh, you know, they see the need um, for that representation. They see you as, a, you know, investing in you and helping you to, uh, you know, to become that, uh, to help be more representative in your in your community. So those are good points. Good points. Yeah. So another question for you is, 
what population or condition or, you know, public health problem are you most passionate about? So I particularly gravitate to chronic disease, um, chronic disease and overlap with health equity topics, um, largely because of the impact that you see in the society of what happens when um, individuals, particularly from uh, minority communities, communities of color, they encounter these uh, situations, which then become compounding problems. And so they become multifaceted and multifactorial, and it becomes very difficult for the person's health outcomes to improve when, let's say, they don't have adequate social support, they don't have adequate education, there's no transportation in their community, um, there are individuals who may have low literacy, there are individuals that may not be good navigators in the healthcare system, and that we've I've encountered throughout my professional career happens with a variety of individuals for a variety of reasons where that happens. So that really is the crux of social determinants of health to really understand it. And oftentimes I gravitate towards this. I'm someone who, you know, grew up in, in Chicago and in what would be considered more of a working class community, not the poorest community, not the wealthiest community, but more working class. And so when you're in, in, in sometimes these situations, you don't even realize that you're disadvantaged till you leave the community. And then you realize, well, maybe mm -hmm. it was normal that I had roaches coming out of, you know, my kitchen, you know, <laughs> like every spring. And that doesn't really happen to everybody. Or like, I shouldn't be hearing gunfire outside of my house. Maybe in like most communities, that's not normal. <laughs> or that the water shouldn't be tasting like lead. Because some of these, are, you know, lived realities yeah. of individuals, you know, who grow up in urban settings. I, I would say it's generality because there's differences within urban settings, but you really don't understand the challenges unless you were somehow placed in these challenges. So that's why when I talk a little bit about theory, it's really important, you know, that we talk about theory, but if you're someone who studied public health from a theoretical angle and you've really never lived uh, an, uh, an opportunity or a life experience of disadvantage, it's very hard for that professional to then be able to translate and say, well, you know, there should be greater health equity, there should be greater opportunities, because that really is rhetorical, but that really doesn't mean anything. You know, that doesn't mean anything to the community because you might be someone who was raised in a very wealthy community, but you don't, you haven't lived in equity. So the inequity is a theoretical inequity, but not a lived inequity, which those lived inequities then impact on health outcomes. That's a very good point. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. I like that. Makes very good sense. And it's really important. I mean, that's a very important message. Um, I hope that um, the audience is taking that in. So I am going to shift and I appreciate you answering all my questions. And I just have a couple more. But I want to shift a little bit because I want to get some advice from you for the students who may be listening to the podcast. So I'd like to know if you have, um, you know, what advice or tips would you like to share with 
current public health students who are interested in careers in public health? Well, I would say, you know, like if you're a student that you really need to be like passionate about, you know, like public health, and this is really something that drives you. Um, And the reason being is because there's a lot of challenging experiences in public health. A lot of people get dissuaded by public health and they're like, you know what, I really just can't do this. It's too challenging. There's too many social determinants. I can't overcome them, you know. Um, and the problem is in that, is that, you know, like you study public health because, you know, that's something that you're really driven and you're really invested in. So you're really trying to close the gap of a lot of lack of social capital. And in the process, you may have to volunteer for health fair. You may have to further engage the community. You might not have the highest income of individuals who, you know, may have, jobs in other parts of the healthcare sector, but that part, if you're driven and you're motivated, is going to keep you engaged throughout your career. Um, And that's why really we like to keep people in public health within the larger nonprofit government, what we want to say, academic fear, because that's capital is important to keep it within that realm because you're specially trained and you have a skill set that other individuals may not necessarily have, even individuals who may be working on the job, but they may not have the similar training. The other thing, too, is is that you really need to mentor, uh, tap into mentorship opportunities as they arise and really try and maybe stand out by maybe going the extra mile, doing something different that maybe your peers are not doing, maybe engaging in a project that they may not have thought of. Because um, you want to get mentors who, you know, are going to say so-and-so is really, you know, like an example of someone who's going to lead their pathway in their career and who wants to expand on the breadth of knowledge of public health. And that might be regardless of what specialty area you're going to get into. But it's really important to kind of set those initial paths to success early on. So that if you have the proper foundation, it's really going to help you in the future for your career. I agree with that so much. I know you, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit before we started this interview. I know you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you know that I'm a, a big advocate for people finding what they're passionate about because it is, it's mm-hmm. true. What you said is absolutely true that when you're engaged and you're, you know, targeting a population or a cause or some area of public health that you're passionate about, that's going to keep you going when things are a little rough or it feels difficult because you're going to be invested in really helping those people that you care so much about. So, um, so that's really great. Um, now we do have a lot of graduates. People have already completed their degree in public health and they're, you know, maybe facing some challenges getting into the field and there could be any number of challenges. So, what advice would you have for graduates who have already completed their degree and they're just, they're trying to get into just, they're just having a hard time trying to get into the field. What I would say is, is that this is not new (laughs) that when I graduated in the late nineties, I could not find a job. I looked everywhere and 
this might be aging myself, but it was a time that you didn't look online for a job or you didn't look in LinkedIn. You actually looked in the newspaper. That's where the Mm -hmm. jobs were listed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you would then cut out the one that's a community health education, health educator, um, mm-hmm. I looked in AmeriCorps. <laughs> I looked in every <laughs> variation. Of, I looked in the public health department. I looked in a phone book to call the public health department. Do you have any health educators? We haven't heard of those people before. What is that? Um, <laughs> so um, I would go on endless interviews. I went. I remember going very early on in my career in an interview where the person said, "You're." really talented, but you're really young, come back in 10 years. And I thought there's, there's no way to <laughs> kind of job in 10 years. 10 years, I see myself doing something much more advanced um, <laughs> and, you know, like really struggling. I think that that's, you know, like part of the challenge in public health is that it's not like there's like major corporations and that's what the you know graduates need to understand about the sector. The sector is such that it's really embedded and oftentimes hidden. So what I ended up doing, so you know, like I mentioned, oh, I would, you know, shadow this person as a community health educator. Well, we went from place to place, and eventually there was a place that you know was interested in the type of work that I was doing because they were seeing me shadowing the health educator and they were like, okay, you know, she's doing a good job. Maybe she can help us out over here um, in a stroke of luck, but it is much more difficult. Um, and it is going to be that way because, you know, uh, the, as I said, the opportunities are, are hidden opportunity. There's not like a corporation of public health that then hires everybody in the corporation and then everybody is a worker bee. Public health, is very multifaceted. So you could end up working, you know, assisting a nutritionist, like you could end up being a diabetes educator, like you could end up uh, doing HIV AIDS counseling, you could end up working for the Red Cross, like you could end up working for the Komen Foundation. And those trajectories actually are significantly different. So they're not the same. What I would say is, is that you need to continue to be persistent because really if this is something that you truly want to do, and you run into the right type of people who see your skill set and who appreciate what you're doing, they will then be willing to take you in. So sometimes that may involve an internship, that may sometimes involve volunteering, that may sometimes involve working part-time, or taking a, a first job where you're maybe not making, you know, significant income, but it's building your resume. You know, so at least you're moving in a direction. So as I said, this is what makes public health very challenging because it's so different than many other careers that you have to be driven in order to succeed and to do well. Because otherwise, very easily, you can say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do public health. I'm just going to, you know, work for, you know, the private side of healthcare, which, you know, is always an option for individuals. But, you lose the part of directly engaging with the community if, you know, oftentimes when you go that route. So you really have to decide really what are your priorities? Is your priority really to have that direct community investment or, you know, is it to really move in an opposite direction? But those types of processes, each and every person has their own journey 
and careers themselves are journeys too. So um, oftentimes that's why it's important to have not only those those mentors, but sometimes for individuals to like loop back, go to conferences, see what people, you know, speakers that are uh, high profile individuals are saying in the field. That can be like a sounding board for you, particularly going through that initial journey. Yeah, I think that's, um, I agree with what you're saying. And, and I really am, am always talking about encouraging students to, and graduates to participate in conferences, attend conferences and not just, you know, go through the motions. I really, I sat down and created a, an actual program to take step, go step by step with, you know, strategies for preparing before the conference and while you're at the conference and then the follow up because there's such a wealth of connections and information and, and uh, mentors and resources at the public health conferences. And for like you're saying, you know, to connect with mentors and to find people and, and opportunities um, so that you can follow up on the other, the rest of the year, attending conferences will give you those connections, but just showing up is not enough. And that's why I created that program to really help people um, understand the things that you can start doing before you get to the conference and then to be able to make the most of, because you think about it, a conference like the American Public Health Association, it lasts, what, four days? We spend the entire year planning that conference for those four days or so that it, you know, so there's a, a huge effort that goes into the preparation of the conference. And if you're going to attend, you know, this, the senior people are showing up looking for mentees. They're ready to help. They want to pour their, their attention is on helping and serving at that time. So if you show up prepared and you're ready, then you can make the most of that time, make those really valuable connections. And then once you leave, you can follow up with them. And then you may have those, uh, mentors that can then tell you about, even if the mentor is across the country, if you connect with them at the conference and then after the conference, you're saying, well, I'm trying to find an opportunity to shadow or to get into this area, then they can help you find those opportunities. Um, you know, like you said, to been to get more experience and to learn more and, and to then lead to the job opportunities. Yes, I would say definitely, you know, particularly in the larger conference to find your niche. Um, and maybe just maybe start something small, you know, specific, like maybe I just want to be with the young professionals or maybe I just want to be with the graduate students. But at least that niche will support you within the larger conference. Um, like, for example, I in the public health education section, I lead now the materials contest. And the reason why I decided to do that is I'm really interested in innovative health communication materials. And the materials have nothing to do with the work that I directly work in. But um, I think that it's very interesting that there are people out there that are incubating their own health education materials, their own health education topics, really being imaginative, really being able to package which whatever is the health education topic into a communication module, whether it be print or whether it be audiovisual, whether it be also web-based. I think that it shows how the profession itself is evolving. And so that is like the niche that as an example that, you know, students should kind of think about like what specific niche am I interested? Am I interested in like, 
young people who are epidemiologists who just like doing chronic disease? Am I interested in the, you know, the people, you know, who do public health and are looking at occupational health and looking at worksite wellness, you know, or am I looking you know, at individuals who are particularly interested in health equity, which there is a health equity um, caucus within APHA, and is that something I want to funnel into? And I want to specifically know who those people are within that space. It's much more easier if you focus into something very specific than try to be too broad and go across, because then you're going to get lost. That's so true. That's really, really good point. That's great advice. And that's, you know, for students, graduates, it's a great way for graduates who maybe been, you've graduated a few years, you've been sort of away from public health, but you're still trying to get into the field. This, attending a conference is a great way to reconnect and to, to jumpstart that. And definitely, like you're saying, find that, that specific niche, that area, that niche that you want to be in and, um, and work from there. This has been great and really, uh, some, Great tips and advice. I really appreciate you sharing so much. Um, and I love hearing about your story. So this is, um, this has been really great. Um, you've provided some contact information, which I will share in the show notes for anyone who's wanting to reach out with you and connect with you further. So we're going to wrap up, but I just wanted to say thank you. I appreciate you for being here and uh, we'll have to keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I would like to thank Dr. Mancera Cuevas for joining me on this episode to discuss her public health career journey and for sharing such great advice and tips. Now, if you'd like to connect with her, just visit the show notes page for this episode, which is episode number 108. Go to drchuntley.com and click on podcasts from the main menu, and then just navigate to episode 108. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you have access to all episodes and you'll be among the first to hear the new episodes as soon as they're released. All right, everyone, until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.